0: Well, good morning, church family. How's it going? Yeah, okay, I got one person that is ready to be here. Guys, it is so good to be here and worship with you today. If you were with us online, we are also with you. We are in your corner, and we are so glad that you have joined us. Guys, we are in week two of this series called Be Cool And I have been asking every service this question, but during this summer, raise your hands if any of you have lost your cool already this summer. I love that y'all laugh. I did not expect the laughter, but every time people laugh. Okay, how about today? Has anyone lost their cool today? Okay, we're doing pretty good. Oh, we got some, we got some. I'll go ahead and raise my hand. I have a teenager and a preteen. It's bound to happen. If they're awake, I'm probably losing my cool, even though they're amazing kids. Um, But can't we just be real in the fact that it is really easy for us to lose our cool? Sometimes it is really hard for us to be cool, right? And losing our cool takes little to no effort. You and I can do absolutely nothing. And not be surprised when we lose our cool when someone disappoints us, disagrees with us, betrays us, hurts us. How many times in this last year have you been in a conversation with someone who votes differently than you and you're fighting the urge to be cool, right? Or lose your cool? And some of us don't succeed, and that's okay. The church is a safe place to admit that we lose our cool. How about being stretched thin? How many of you are stretched thin? Yep, got some honest folks in here. Me too. And guess what, guys? When we are stretched thin, that is the intersection of when we can all lose our cool. It is so easy to do it. Last week, we began talking about how our frame, how we see others and how we see ourselves and how we see God directly influences our ability to be cool. This week, we're going to take a look at this concept of time. And how we spend it, how we spend it now sets us up to be cool later or lose our cool later, right? Because it's just so easy for us to get off centered and lose our cool. And I've got a few pieces of advice for you before we dive into our main story today. Because when we think about leading ourselves well with the time that we have, you and I kind of start visualizing the time that we have. And so I'm going to give you a few examples, one of which is in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. And Matthew says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I would venture a guess, if you and I were to divide out our time... And color code how much time we spend on things, the time that we spend on the activities that we planned also tell a story of where our heart is. So first practical thing, it's not in your message notes, but you can absolutely take this if you want to. But the first thing to really lead ourselves well with the time that we have is to establish our priorities, but not just establish our priorities, let our priorities influence our plans and not our plans and schedule influence our priorities. And man, I get that wrong all the time. And so I'm going to show you an example of how I have established my priorities and how I let my priorities influence my schedule instead of vice versa, because I've failed a lot. Everyone has to figure out what works for them. For some personalities, you're going to be really excited when you see this. And then for other personalities, it's going to completely disgust you. And that's just because we're wired differently. But here's how I establish my priorities and make sure my priorities are influencing my schedule. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, I already heard some of the moans. <laughs> You're Like, oh, this girl, get her off the stage. Okay, so the green and the orange and the pink is one person trying to get three people to different locations at the same time, right? And so we can call that the intersection of Cheyenne losing her cool every day. But what I want you to look at is those Four blue blocks. This was a really good week. I need to have three of those blue blocks every single week. Because for years I have said that my first ministry is my family. No one else has called anyone to be the wife of Matt that I know of. No one has called anyone to be the parent of Canaan and Addie. And I take my first ministry very seriously. However, in the beginning of my faith journey, I realized that I was a yes man. And I realized that I could say yes to a thousand different places in a thousand different ways, leaving absolutely nothing left to give the things that God has called me to give to. Establish your priorities and allow your priorities to influence how you schedule your time. Here's another one. Imagine how much time you have left. Or, in short, imagine the end. And sometimes this is a really hard concept to wrestle with. One, because you and I don't know how much time we have here on earth. But there are chunks of time in which we could divide it down and figure out how to use our time wisely now so we can be cool later. There's a prayer um, of Moses in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. You can go there, but we're going to put it on the screen for you. But it says, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So when we imagine how much time we have left, we do more with the time we have now. This right here is a bag of 936 marbles. Raise your hand if you're a parent or a grandparent. Thank you. This is not the marbles you have lost over time due to parenting and grandparenting. We've not been keeping them for you to give them back for sanity later. Um, But each of these marbles actually represents one week because from the time that our children are born to the time they graduate high school, we have roughly 936 weeks from the time of birth to the time they graduate. And most parents hate this concept. However, when we know how much time is left, we do more with the time that we have now because the truth is, is we only have an infant for 12 months, a kindergartner for 365 days, a high school senior for 52 weeks. And when we aren't intentional about the time that we have now, you and I can accidentally waste it. And when we're not being intentional with our time, those are the moments that we can lose our cool on everything and everyone. And if some parents are still looking at this, just thinking about what a giant choking hazard this is, there's actually an app that you can download as well that counts down the the time for you as well. And I think we've got a picture of that. So it tells us how many weeks we have left with our kids. I encourage you to use that because again, Parenting, families, grandparenting, that is a season where you can just feel in the trenches and like it's never going to end until the day that you realize you have blinked and they're about to graduate high school. Imagine the end. There's also a verse um, Paul writes to a church in Ephesus. So in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, Paul says this, be very careful. This is awesome wisdom. Be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as the wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So that tells me that spending our time wisely now so we can be cool later does not happen on accident. It happens on purpose and with intention. Speaking of intention, I've got one more story to share. Uh, this past week, we had family camp, which is a moment from Sunday to Wednesday where parents come with their kids, and they worship together, and they grow together. We had 133 parents on site. We had 150 kids attend, and then we have 130 servants on site to serve those kids, and I think we have a few pictures um, up here as well, yeah, look at them. I want you to notice down there on the floor, guys, those are teenagers and preteens leading worship. Right, give that, yes. And I gotta say, like, because I have been able and had the honor to serve in family ministry since 2010, I have never been concerned about the future of our church, or the world because I get a front row seat to what God is doing in the lives of preteens and teenagers. We had 90, 90 teenagers serving during family camp. That is awesome. And at family camp, here's our last practical thing on how we can spend our time wisely now to set us up to be cool later. At family camp, we invited all parents and grands to write on prayer boards And what we put on the prayer board is the name of their child, the age or grade of their child, and during the next staff meeting that the church has, we're going to commit time to spend praying over all of these families. And so we wanted to extend the invitation to you as well. We would love for you, after service, if you could put the names and ages of your kids' Because prayer is an easy, practical way of how we can spend our time. If you are online, our online team is ready to receive your prayers. Just put those in the comments, and we will be looking for those all August. So please, join us in that. Three practical ways, when we think about leading ourselves well with the time we have, establish priorities, imagine the end, and always pray. But today, for the rest of our time, what I would really like us to do is take a dive beneath the surface of the ways that we can visualize time. And what we would like for you to walk away with today in your message notes or on the app is a tool of which you can be using always to evaluate how are you spending your time now? And is it being time well spent so that you can be cool later? And we're going to use the story of Gideon. We're going to be in the book of Judges. And I know Judges may be a dicey read for a number of us. I know it was for me, but man, there's lots of good things in Judges. And we're going to use the story of Gideon and how we see Gideon use his time and see if maybe there's some ways that we can dial in how we spend our time now so we can lead ourselves well and be cool later. But before we open the word to uh, Judges chapter 6, let's pray. Good morning, God, we just thank you so much that today you have given us another gift of time. So God, even though we can wake up and we can be already going 90 miles an hour trying to get to a number of different places, God, I just pray in this moment that you center us, center our thoughts and our hearts around something that you would have for us today that we can implement when we leave so that we can just draw closer to you. God, I pray a curiosity in all of us on what you would have for us today We love you so much, and we are here to hear a special word from you, God. Amen. All right. Let's head on to Judges chapter six, but let me give you a little bit of backstory. Um, The Israelite people have gone through a number of leadership structures. They were at first led by Moses and then Joshua. Now they're being led by judges and they're not done yet. Eventually they're gonna be led by kings. And judges are not someone who is sitting around waiting to share a verdict or make a decision. In this judge, the Hebrew word is actually Shofet, and that means ruler. So Judges is about rulers, and Gideon is going to be one of those rulers that we are going to use and kind of look at how Gideon actually spends his time. But first, one more real practical thing before we take a little bit deeper dive. All throughout Scripture, we hear this idea of first fruits. And usually scripture is referencing how, how whatever we make, whatever we receive, anything that we have, the first fruits is supposed to go to God before we give anywhere else. So my question for us is, is what do you and I fill our minds and our hearts with the first moments that we are awake? Right? Because whatever we start our day with sets the bar on how well we're going to stay cool or lose our cool throughout the day. And so in your message notes, for the rest of our time, you're going to kind of plot where you spend more of your time. And this is why this is a working resource that you can go back to often and say, how much time am I spending here? Because if you and I are losing our cool on everything and everyone, there's a chance that we haven't spent our moments being intentional to be centered so that we can be cool. Because I don't think you and I lose our cool because someone cuts us off in traffic. I don't think we lose our cool because our spouse didn't follow through with what they said they would. I don't think we lose our cool because our kids are asking us a question for the gabillionth time and we give the same answer. I don't think we lose our cool because we're sleep deprived or because we're working a double shift Or because our finances are iffy and our relationships are sketchy. I think we lose our cool because we haven't been intentional with the time that we have now so that we can be cool later. So in your message notes, the question that I want to ask myself if I find myself losing my cool is do I spend my first moments of my day in my thoughts or God's word? And listen, spending time in God's word can be really intimidating at first. At least it was for me, right? And there's some seasons that it's still very intimidating for me. But I have noticed that it is imperative for me to begin my day in God's word. Because if I don't start in God's word, then God's word is most likely not going to be with me throughout the day and how I treat others and how I treat myself and how I frame my perspective of who God is will be framed by my own chaotic thoughts. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I just need a break from my own thoughts. And so the question, do you spend more time in your own thoughts or God's word? And I get it, it's summer. It is so easy for us to get up in the mornings and already be wrapped up in our own worry wrap up in the conflict of yesterday the state of our finances our rocky relationships our parents and our kids guys we have a rap sheet of things that we can think about that will distract us but the really cool thing about the holy spirit is we don't have to spend all day in god's word for god's word to be with us we're just encouraged to start there And if you don't know where to start, we actually have something on our app called Daily Life Steps. And we have chosen three verses in Psalm 1 that will help us all filter what we say to ourselves, what we say to each other, how we see God, so that we can be cool when life gives us an opportunity to lose it. And I think you and I have lived enough life to know the world's always going to give us an opportunity to lose it. So where do you spend your first Moments. And it can't be a checkbox, right? It can't be something that we wake up and do. But if we go to the Word because we know that it's going to renew us and that God is strategically going to use His words and the Holy Spirit to guide us throughout the day, then that will be time well spent. Let's go ahead and start jumping into the story of Gideon. And some of us may have heard of Gideon. I know I have heard of Gideon, but I've never sat with Gideon's story the way I have now. Um, And I've got to tell you, I am Gideon, and I think that's what I love so much about Scripture is that you start one place, but you end realizing, gosh, God has something new for me to use. And so I hope you get to experience that as well. But first, let me give you a little bit of backstory um, on Gideon. Gideon, again, is one of the judges. And what we are about to see is God's official call to Gideon. And all throughout Judges, there is this repetition that is happening. And the repetition is the Israelites sin, the Israelites experience consequences, the Israelites cry out to God, and then God sends a deliverer or a judge in which to deliver his people. And so this is Gideon's role, and this is Gideon's call. And we see Gideon being called by God. In chapter 6, verse 12, an angel of the Lord appears and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Let's just pause right there. If you and I saw an angel of the Lord come down right now, we would be shocked and in awe, right? Not Gideon. An angel of the Lord comes down, and I imagine this angel of the Lord starting to say, the Lord is with you, but Gideon's like, no, hang on. I have some questions for you. And he goes on to say, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his good wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian, right there at the end of 13. There's something so subtle that really impacts the kind of time that we spend with God. And the question is, do you and I see God as a punisher or do you and I see God as a rescuer, right? None of us want to spend time with the punisher. If we do, we need to have a conversation after this. But a rescuer, man, I could spend time with a rescue, a rescuer a variety of times a day. But it's just so subtle at the end. Gideon is seeing God as a God who abandons and punishes. Has anyone ever done that? Let's think about a red light, right? If you and I run a red light and we get pulled over and get a ticket for it, are we mad at the red light? I know, some of you nod yes, and you're adorable. Do we get mad at the officer because he gave us a ticket? Yeah, okay, probably so. But if we get mad at the red light and the officer, is that really good and wise time well spent? Maybe, maybe not. But let's look at the truth of it. The truth is, is that you and I had a choice on what we did as we approached the red light. And so, so many times, I want to take us back to verse 10 very quickly. Remember that repetition, the Israelites' sin, consequence, cry out, God delivers them. So many times in verse 10, we realize that we have not listened to the good plan that God has given us to operate inside of. And so many times you and I can get this idea that God is a punisher because we forget that we live in a broken and fallen world. And so many times the terrible things that happen in the world is a consequence of the broken and fallen world that we live in. And if consequence is too harsh of a word, think of it as cause and effect. When we run the red light, where's God in that situation with us during pandemic, during war, during marital conflicts, at the bedside of someone that we love. Where is God? God is with us, ready to rescue us and move us forward, even as bad things happen around us. See, if you and I are responding from a place where we think that God is a punisher, we're gonna lose it every time. Because we have no safety net. But if we can start moving towards this idea that God is our rescuer, then what? no matter what happens to us, we can trust that God will provide a way. And I gotta tell you, man, sometimes, sometimes the church can get this wrong. Sometimes the church is the voice that is telling us that God is a punisher. And what I mean by that is, and I've told this story a couple of times before. But in my early 20s, I committed this really visible sin. And at the same time, I grew up in a super small town, one, one red light. When I committed this super visible sin, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And in this tiny, small-town church, the pastor, as all good-intentioned pastors do, said please, anyone who would love prayer, come down and pray. I would love to pray for you. And so I went, and I told this pastor, my dad's dying of cancer. And he put his hand on my shoulder. And before he even uttered a word of prayer over me, which he never did, he just said, Cheyenne, Do you think your dad would be dying of cancer had you not committed that really visible sin? By church, you done lost your opportunity to influence me. But here's what I discovered. I'm not taking up for that church. But it is my responsibility. It is our responsibility to discover who God is based on who God says he is and not from the brokenness of another person. For three years, I sat responding to everything that came my way with this idea that God was a punisher and I was lost, I was drained, I was empty. I was always looking for something and nothing satisfied it. This church was the first church I came back to, and it wasn't one moment, but it was hundreds of micro moments of other people showing me who God was as a rescuer that finally turned my head to the possibility that maybe, maybe just, maybe just maybe. I was wrong. And so if you've ever thought of God as a God who abandons and punishes, I want to push you a little bit. I want to ask you, why do you believe God is a punisher? What has happened in your life to make you think that? And do you think it because of a personal experience, or could it just be like mine? You have an inherited understanding of who God is based on someone who is just as broken as we are. When you spend time thinking about God, do you see God as a punisher or as a rescuer? How we see God determines the kind of time we will spend with him. The next thing I really kind of want to highlight what is happening with Gideon in verse 13, when when Gideon's like, pardon me, Lord, but like, where were you when all this crazy stuff happened? Where's all his wonders now? God may have done this really good thing then, but where is he now? Gideon is doing something really interesting here. He is processing his doubts with God. Now, we don't have any record of how Gideon processed his doubts before, but what we do see is that Gideon's list of complaints, Gideon's doubts, Gideon's concerns, he's processing it with God. So I'm wondering, where do we all fall on this scale? And so the next message note is, do we internalize our doubts? Or do we process our doubts? Gideon did a lot of questionable things. But I think this is the way that Gideon was able to trust God. And the same opportunity is extended to us as well, to process our doubts, not internalize them. And a great faith community is a place to do that. Because here's the thing, the DNA of a great faith community is not a place where we all think and act and say and live and look and love the same way. A great faith community is where you can come and voice your disbelief, process your doubts. And when you and I have a safe place to voice our disbelief and process our doubts, you and I can start to build a spiritual stamina so that when the world comes at us and tries to break us, we have the capacity to be cool because we have spent intentional time processing our doubts. And just think about it, when you and I internalize our doubts... We're just like this balloon, right? That just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then when the pressure is on and the heat is up, what happens? We pop and we lose our cool on every one and everything. Where do you spend your time? With all the conflict that we all carry, do we internalize it or do we process it? In verse 14, God starts talking to Gideon again and he gives Gideon his official call, which is just a churchy way of saying this is Gideon's God-given purpose. God's given you and I a purpose as well. It's not always as clear as what Gideon is about to get, but God has given us a purpose. So God says this to Gideon, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And Gideon does what Gideon does, and I wonder if any of us are the same. Gideon holds that hand up again and says, "Uh, mm, pardon me, God, but uh, how am I going to save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Gosh, how many of us are the same, right? How many of us? God calls us into something new and wonderful. And we pause and we're like, mm, surely, surely God, you, you, didn't, you didn't mean me, right? You called the wrong number, didn't you? Right? Or maybe you've been praying for a new door and a new career to open up. And that new door and new career opens up. And it's, you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, it's too good to be true. God, could you just give me one more sign to make sure that that's you opening that door? Maybe God has called you to be the spiritual leader of your family. And you're just thinking, but I've messed up and I've broken trust. I don't think I can do that. Or maybe, maybe God's calling you into your next step, whatever that may be. Maybe it's to get baptized. Maybe it's to join the church. Maybe it's to have a conversation about one of those two things. But you just keep getting hung up on this idea that you are unfit, unqualified, and unworthy to go wherever God is calling you. And can I just invite you to allow your sign to be Jesus on a cross? There is no louder message that you are worthy, you are qualified, and you are fit to do what God has called you to do, just like Gideon. You can have insecurities and doubts. That doesn't impact what God is going to call you to do. It just impacts the pace at which you're going to move. And so what I think we see Gideon struggling with here is something you and I all struggle with. Do we spend more time sitting with personal insecurities or do we spend more time standing on God's promise? And I do not want to overlook at all the power our insecurities have over us. Because the truth is, if our brain was a cell phone and we were to look at the usage data in our brain, it would probably look something like this, right? A lot of personal insecurities, we're aware of God's promise, and then other, right? But here's the really fantastic thing about God. Our personal insecurities do not have to lessen for God to do what God needs to do in our life. However, we are called to intentionally shift and spend our time focusing on God's promise, even though we may be wildly paralyzed by our own insecurities. We don't have to have zero insecurities for God to do what God needs to do. We just have to be intentional with the time that we have now and where we respond from So that you and I can be cool when the pressure is on and the heat is up. During Gideon's whole story, we see him responding from a place of insecurity. And here's what I hope you see in Gideon's story. It never impacted how much God planned to use Gideon. So many times you and I carry around this bag of doubts and insecurities and we think, we think that it is going to influence God's capacity to perform in our lives. But the, the beautiful thing about having a relationship with Christ is that we can have all of these doubts and insecurities and God is still going to come through the way only God can. Thank God our capacity to perform does not dictate God's ability to unleash us into the world and be a change maker. But it's important to think about when you respond or react, are you responding and reacting from your insecurities or the knowledge of God's promise that he will never leave or forsake you and that he has called you into abundant life even as the world may try to deplete you? Where are you responding? We keep kind of watching Gideon lose his cool. And so we're coming up on my favorite part of Gideon's story because I think we can see that we are very similar to him. Gideon starts asking for a sign. And so Judges chapter 6, verse 17, Gideon's finally like through processing. And he says, okay, if I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign. So I know it is really you talking to me man, I'm Gideon. I wonder if anybody else is Gideon as well. Skip on down to verse 22. God gives Gideon what Gideon wants. And you know what happens? Gideon loses his cool. In verse 22, when Gideon realizes that it was the angel of the Lord, he screams, alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face, which back then was a big no-no. And God's like, Peace, do not be afraid, you are not gonna die. So pretty much God's looking at Gideon and saying, bro, you need to calm down and be cool and stop being so dramatic, right? I got you. And so the question here is how much time do you and I spend creating drama within ourselves and around us instead of practicing creating peace? Between verses 22 and 24, we see Gideon move from a place of drama to a place of peace in a matter of moments. Is it easy for you and I to move from a place of drama to peace in moments? It's not easy for me. Sometimes I get so struck in the drama that I create in my mind and the drama that's happening around us that I forget If all I know how to do is create drama, then when the pressure is up and the heat is on, the likelihood of me just perpetuating more drama is really high. But if I can spend time now intentionally trying to figure out how to create peace within me, then the chances are when the pressure is up and the heat is on, the opportunity for me to be a peace-giving presence in a world of chaos becomes a little more likely. In verse 24, When Gideon finally calmed down, he built an altar to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. God spoke peace into motion, into Gideon. We have that same access to peace at every moment of the day. Every moment of the day through the work and power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we may have someone saying, you need to calm down. You need to quit being dramatic. You need to be cool. Sure, we might have a trusted person that can say that. But the peace that we can carry with us, even as the world may fall apart around us, that peace has already been gifted to us. We just have to spend time cultivating it and practicing it so that when the world gives us an opportunity to lose our cool, we might just keep it. Do we spend more time creating drama or creating peace? As we kind of close out here, I got to tell you, Gideon doesn't stop creating drama within his own mind. He tests. God a lot and I wish we had time to see the next chapter of Gideon's story because I truly believe that all of this testing that we see Gideon doing throughout his entire story is what allows him to trust in God in a way that he knows that no matter where God sends him God will be with him and so the last question is this how much time do we spend testing God versus trusting God Guys, at some point, we've got to take our faith for a test drive. And I'm saying this with zero judgment or zero condemnation, right? Because, hello, we've met, I'm Gideon. I got tons of questions for God. I got a list of things that I need to settle up with him on a daily basis. But when you and I can trust that God has our best interest at heart and that his promises are true, when we can truly trust that, you and I can start responding from a place of knowing that no matter what comes at us, God's got us. And when we know that through our core and through our being, you and I can be cool even as we are being attacked from all sides. Where are you at? Do you spend more time testing God? Or do you spend more time trusting God? And if you're like me and you get stuck in the testing phase more often than you should, if we really want to move from a place of testing to trusting, we got to start back exactly where we started, which is identifying how we spend our first moments of the day. And so how I'd like to close out today is the same we we closed out last week but this is a moment where you and I are going to practice in an unconventional setting, we're going to practice creating peace. Even though when we leave here, we may be walking into a relationship or a conversation that is anything but peace. Maybe yesterday we left something behind that is still causing chaos and pain and struggle in our lives. But what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna practice practice creating peace and we've given we're going to give you a visual today but this visual can be anything that brings you peace throughout the rest of the day and together we're going to model what it looks like for us to visualize peace get in the word and pray through God's word In Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. God, help me be someone who does not walk in step with the wicked. Help me not gravitate to the energy of sinners And God, help me build my circle in a way that it is filled with people who love you and are trying to grow near to you and are leading themselves well with the time that they have. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. God, we pray, just instill in us a curiosity of what you're up to in us and what you're up to in the world so that even as things may try to break us and distract us, God, that we can have your peace, no matter where you call us. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. God, help us be a people who respond strong like trees planted near water, not amidst chaos. God, please help us become centered in what you would have for us so that when we respond, people can experience you through us and not our brokenness. God, we thank you again for this gift of time that we are not promised. Help us make it count. And help us continually return back to where you would have us, which is with you. We love you so much. And it is in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Okay, guys. Good luck being cool. See you next week.